0: Since the beginning of the pandemic, the American Medical Association has led the fight against COVID-19. As the nation copes with the effects of the crisis, we continue to offer tireless advocacy and expert resources. I'm Todd Unger, and this is AMA Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association. This episode is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Today we're discussing the importance of maintaining cardiovascular health during COVID-19. I'm joined today by Dr. Michael Ray Kotz, Vice President of Health Outcomes at the AMA in Chicago. Rear Admiral Betsy L. Thompson, director of the division for heart disease and stroke prevention at the centers for disease control and prevention and assistant surgeon general in the u.s public health service in atlanta and dr david goff director of the division of cardiovascular sciences at the national heart lung and blood institute in bethesda maryland i'm todd Unger, ama's chief experience officer in chicago uh dr goff new research about blood pressure came out earlier this month what does that research tell us and why is it so important
1: well, thanks for having me here. First, I need to say that these are my views and not necessarily the views of the NHLBI, NIH, or Department of Health and Human Services. So this recent report is based on nationally representative data from the NHANES study on long-term trends in blood pressure control. And after several decades of progress, this report shows stagnation and really decline in control. So fewer than half of adults in the US, just over four out of 10, with hypertension, had it under control in the most recent period, 2017 to 18. This was a drop of almost 10%, and that's a big and important drop because elevated blood pressure is a major risk factor for heart disease and stroke and the leading cause of death on our planet.
0: Dr. why why do we seem to be losing ground here?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. I, I echo the the strong concern that we're trending in the wrong direction with awareness treatment and blood pressure control, and that this this is the leading modifiable risk factor for the leading cause of death in this country. So I, I personally think that we need a call to action for, for all doctors and all patients to really uh, renew efforts to prioritize blood pressure control. Um, again, trending down awareness treatment and control For patients, um, I I think when you you ask why is this happening, I I think that adherence to treatment is a huge factor, and there are many, many reasons patients are, are having a hard time adhering to treatment, and there are many things that physicians can do to try to improve adherence to medications. Physicians need to obtain more accurate blood pressure measurements, trust them to make quick diagnosis and quick treatment decisions. Um, we know that using single-pill combination therapy is a fast and effective way to get blood pressure to control. Yet, we know that only about 40% of um, people with uncontrolled high blood pressure, 40% of them are actually continue to be on monotherapy instead of combination therapy. So, these are, these are some some basic things that we can do to try to improve blood pressure control. You know, that's Thompson. a
1: really important point because the um, for people who need blood pressure medication, it often take several different drugs because of the body's system of preserving blood pressure. And so these combination therapies are really important. And that means people need to have access to healthcare. And one of the findings in this report was that access to healthcare was really important in determining who had blood pressure control and who didn't. Uh, And that particularly played out that some of the race and ethnic groups, uh, Black Americans, the, the Latinx population, Asian Americans, were much less likely to have their high blood pressure controlled uh, due to these um, uh, lack of access to care.
0: And that's just yet another impact uh, where we see uh, you know pre-existing conditions like that exacerbating by uh, COVID-19. Um, uh, Dr. Thompson, Why are these findings so important to understand during the pandemic?
3: Well, that does make it even more important. But I want to go back to just say that even before the pandemic, we considered hypertension control the number one priority in terms of the work that we're doing in the Division for Heart uh, uh, Disease Prevention and and Stroke. So So the thing that I would like to add, though, around that is that We had started this year thinking that this was going to be the year for hypertension control. We launched a National Hypertension Control Roundtable, which my co-panelists are are well aware of and part of. This work is so important. And the pandemic has just made it more so. Um, National trends in heart disease mortality were, as as Dr. Goff said, they were leveling off, even stagnating Prior to this, pri- we knew this prior to the most recent report. This just ex- it, um, extends the period that we can look at a little bit longer in terms of those trends that were worrying us. Um, but right now, we're particularly uh, concerned because serious heart condition is a major risk factor for COVID 19, for both hospitalization from COVID 19 as well as severe illness. And while we're not sure that hypertension itself is directly linked to increased risk, we think it may be, um, we know that hypertension is one of the leading uh, risk factors for serious heart disease. So it's really, really critical um, now as much more than ever that people are aware of their blood pressure and that they and their their care teams are doing everything they can to control. I, I will say one other thing. Um, we know that we can get out of sort of the basement of hypertension control rates. As David and Mike both said, we're down well below 50% of people with known hypertension having it under control. And yet when a healthcare system, when a clinic, when a private doc on his or her own, or even a community decide that they're going to make it a priority, they can get those rates up to 80 or even 90%. So uh, Mike, thanks for kind of setting up the call to action. We had felt like we had thrown out a call to action a year ago with the yeah. National Hypertension Control Roundtable. By the time this airs, I certainly hope that the Surgeon General will have launched launched a real call to action um, at the national level for hypertension control.
2: Yeah, and Todd, one of the things that is a major concern with COVID-19 and and hypertension control is that so many people at high risk are, are, are limiting their travel to see their doctors because of the risk of infection. And telehealth has reduced that exposure risk for many people, but doctors everywhere immediately started to struggle with rapidly having to figure out, how do I manage somebody with a chronic condition when I don't have all the data that I'm used to having? So a perfect example are vital signs and hypertension. If you don't have a blood pressure, How are you going to manage a condition that's based on knowing what the blood pressure is? And so that's where self-measured blood pressure monitoring, or SMBP, plays an extremely important role. This is a known strategy for improving blood pressure control if done right. And while nearly 97% or more of primary care providers report that they use SMBP, um, only about 40 to 50% of patients with hypertension say they use it. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And it's something that we, we could really focus on that I think in the pandemic and beyond, um, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I think the more we can widely disseminate SMBP as a strategy, the better off we'll be.
0: How, how do we kind of close that gap, uh, Dr. Rakotz?
2: Well, I, you know, I can tell you that the AMA has been helping physicians and care teams use an evidence-based approach for improving blood pressure control, leveraging SMBP as part of that AMA MAP-BP program, where we've created some clinically useful tools from longer guidelines and scientific statements to make it easier for physicians and care teams to actually implement SMBP. We've put up on the AMA website, a uh, seven steps quick guide for implementing SMBP, And we've got ongoing collaborations with Dr. Thompson and the CDC, the Million Hearts team, the American Heart Association, and the National Association of Community Health Centers to try to increase the collective impact of all that we're doing to try to prevent cardiovascular disease, including improving blood pressure control.
3: I will add that uh, if people are interested in really what works, because you know, Mike knows his package works a lot of It's very much similar to the, the things that we would advise through the Million Hearts Initiative, but on our website at CDC or the Million Hearts website, you can get to the hypertension control change package. We also have a best practices guide um, on our division website at CDC. So and all of those are probably easier to find by your friend Google than going into the CDC website. But they're 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 very readily available. Yeah.
2: And I know that David wants to jump in here, but what I'll say is that what's great about the collaborations that we all have going is that on that in that hypertension change package, um, you know, there's there's tools and resources from the AMA, tools and resources from the American Heart Association, along with the VA and other organizations across the country. So between the AMA's website, um, the CDC's website, and I'm sure the NHL and NIH websites. There is a lot of useful information out there.
1: Yeah, well, there's there's certainly a a lot of great information, and and yet we still have this challenge that we're facing with only about 40, 43% of people with hypertension having it controlled. And there's a big role for physicians, certainly as we've discussed, avoiding treatment inertia is really important. The most common thing done in medical practice when a patient shows up with a blood pressure above goal is to schedule another visit not to change the therapy. And so we, physicians need to act more on the information that they get. Home blood pressure monitoring can help because sometimes physicians are skeptical and patients are skeptical about the blood pressure that's measured in practice, especially when it's not measured well. Physicians should use combination therapy more often because it often takes two, three, or more medications to control blood pressure. We're supporting research that's looking into this We have a study going on now that's testing a four-medication combination pill with each of those medications at very low dose. The idea is to be able to uh, prevent some of the body's systems of counter-regulating blood pressure so that one is able to get the blood pressure down with low doses of multiple agents, maximizing blood pressure control while minimizing adverse effects. So this is something that we think is quite promising. But as Betsy said, you know, that we can do things inside the clinic and inside the practice, but many people don't have access to care. So we need to figure out how to take care of the patients where they are. And we've supported research such as done by Dr. Ron Victor in black barbershops where pharmacists with prescribing authority went into black barbershops with blood pressure measurement machines and were able to improve control of hypertension in black men from about a third to about 90%. So we can get care to people through innovative approaches like this. This is the sort of thing that we need to test in more of an implementation and dissemination strategy and get it rolled out more widely across our country so that we can get care to the people where they are when they need it
2: yeah, that's that's a great point. And you know we're working in practices and health systems every day across the country, trying to implement practice level change and systems change. And what really struck me from the study more than anything else, I think, I was saddened that blood pressure control is dropping. Um, if, if you, if you had health insurance, you were about twice as likely than someone who versus didn't, it was about twice as likely to have control. If you had a, a usual source of care, same thing about twice as likely to be controlled. But if you had a visit to your doctor within the last year, you were five times more likely to achieve blood pressure control than someone who did not have a visit to a healthcare, a healthcare visit in the last year. And that I think was, was the most, um, a very powerful statement that if that doesn't speak to the importance of seeing your doctor regularly when you have a chronic condition, I, I really don't know what does. And, and the important thing when you do go in, and I think this is why, while, while you could get to a higher level of blood pressure control if you went into 46%, um, imagine if when you went in, you had all physicians doing the right thing, measuring blood pressure accurately, adding therapy appropriately, using single pill combinations, all the things that we know work. Uh, To improve blood pressure control more quickly. So, I absolutely agree with your comments. You know, I'd
3: like to go back to a couple couple of things that, because we are talking about blood pressure control during a pandemic. And um, I think it was Mike that alluded to the, the sort of the importance of telehealth, and also that very early on in particular, we were seeing dramatic decreases. Um, in the use of certain services, including life-saving services for heart attacks and stroke, um, that were quite alarming. So I I just want to kind of foot-stomp on the telehealth and what it potentially offers, particularly at this time, but also going forward in terms of the blood pressure, the self monitored blood pressure monitoring, um, improving access to at least some of those groups that have a hard time getting access in rural communities and certain Um, other disadvantaged populations, African Americans and others that that have a hard time sometimes with transportation and other barriers. So I think that's actually an opportunity that's presented by COVID-19. And another opportunity, which you all will indulge me a little bit because I'm wearing the public health uniform, um, is around influenza this season. I'd be remiss to not say something about influenza and how critical it is this year for a number of reasons for for us to, to do a, a really great job with vaccination. But many of us, and I know many of my colleagues, physician colleagues, are unaware of the um, association between influenza and cardiac disease, and, you know, in terms of both having influenza can increase your risk for subsequent cardiovascular events in the near term, um, but also having cardiovascular serious um, heart conditions can end with your risk for serious influenza illness. So, thank you for letting me give my spiel on go get people, get your flu shot, and get all your patients vaccinated this year.
0: Well, Dr. Thompson, before we close, I did want to give you a chance to talk about the CDC's campaign to raise awareness about the relationship between COVID 19 and cardiovascular disease. Any comments on the CDC's PSA campaign?
3: And I just can't stress it enough how important it is, it's more important than ever to. Um, improve the cardiovascular health of our nation, of our patients, and our own. Um, The importance of maintaining heart health during this pandemic, um, along with the risk if we neglect emergency medical attention for heart attack or stroke, was highlighted in two PSAs that CDC created. Uh, One is called heart disease can be life-threatening, and during the COVID-19, managing heart disease is essential. And reach out to your medical team for questions, concerns, and continued care.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Thompson, Dr. Goff, Dr. Rakotz, for being here today and sharing your perspectives, and for all your important work. Uh, we'll be back soon with another COVID-19 update. For updated resources on COVID-19, uh, visit the AMA site, ama-assn.org/covid-19. Thanks for joining us today, and please take care. This content was originally published as part of AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. I'm Todd Unger, and this is AMA Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association. You can also subscribe to other great AMA podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, or visit ama-assn.org podcasts. Thank you for listening.